1: he just come up and he started talking to me and he just said you you look down mate and so I just opened up to him about everything that had happened in my life and I said to him you know look I've lost everything I've destroyed everything I've destroyed people I've destroyed my career I've I've just lost everything and, and I don't see a point I don't see any reason to still be here and he just looked at me and he said yeah well that's why I'm here
0: Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life, and Real Faith
2: with Eric Scatterbo. Phil Galvin was leading a vibrant youth group in his young adult years when he took great offense at some of the changes the church leadership was asking him to make. Sadly, this eventually led him to walking away from the Lord and into an extremely dark period of his life. However, today we'll hear how the friendship of a wise older Christian would help turn Phil's life around. Phil's joining us from Darwin in the Northern Territory. Phil Galvin, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Eric. Glad to have you with us. And yes, this is an important lesson to learn that sometimes the devil will use being offended to get us off the path of following the Lord. Is that
1: right? Uh, it's one of his major weapons. And I, I've realized over time that it's a, a specifically great weapon for him for people who aren't humble, and I wasn't. Mm.
2: Oh, oh, very good point. Let's find out what your story is all about. Where did it all begin?
1: So, uh, well, I came from a, a broken home. I, I didn't meet my real father till I was about 18 years old. I went up mm. to uh, Geraldton to uh, do my pediatrics training as a nurse and uh, ran into a Galvan transport bus and there he was.
2: Oh, wow. So how so, did you know it was your dad? <laughs>
1: Well, I knew that he was he was uh, a, a sort of, when I say bus, it was actually truck I meant, and he's, he's a, he was a transport guy, so I followed the bus, went to the house where it pulled up and uh, then I wasn't brave enough to go in, so I turned around and went away and uh, went back about an hour later, the truck was gone, so I went to the door and this woman opened the door and... I said, is that that Galvin Transport's not John Galvin, is it? And she said, well, which one are you, Peter or Phil? (laughs) So, So I was invited in and he came about 10 minutes later and I met my dad.
2: When you were 18 years old? Yeah, yeah. So do you know what happened? How did they split apart?
1: Yeah, look, they were incredibly young when they got married, and uh, things got really tough. And they uh, dad lost the farm, and um, they were sort of living on rabbits that he was shooting. And it just got too much for him, and he just couldn't take it, and he couldn't handle the stress. Because I was the third child, so he couldn't handle the stress of these kids. I wasn't. My mum was pregnant with me when he went, when he just left.
2: Oh wow! Do you have a relationship with him to
1: this day? Actually, he's the only person that I, from family that I do have a relationship with. Well, did have a relationship with. He died two years ago. Oh, okay. But uh, he was a, 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 turned into a, a great man in his older life, and he was incredibly supportive to me when I was in my dark place. Okay, well, we'll
2: hear about that eventually, but let's go back to your childhood. So, a broken home, and what was your relationship like with your stepfather?
1: Yeah, my stepfather and I didn't get on. He was pretty jealous of me. I think that was because I was a a pretty sickly kid. I had asthma from the time I was about one. used to Mm -hmm. spend about three months a year in hospital with asthma, and uh, didn't get out to play. So, I spent a lot of time with my mom inside, and I think he was just jealous of that. And uh, over time, that jealousy became worse, and uh, he became very aggressive to me, especially when he was drunk. Oh wow! And so you left home when you were fifteen. Yeah, left home at fifteen. Um, I uh, <laughs> we had a huge fight, and it ended up out in the out on the front garden. And I hit him, and he flattened me. And I just got up, grabbed some clothes, and took off, and I never went back. Uh, so that was when I was fifteen. But uh, yeah, I, I then uh, a couple of, I did a whole lot of jobs. But I used to play a lot of football and got injured a lot, and spent a bit of time in hospital and watched the nurses and thought I could do that. So when I was seventeen, I started my nursing training at uh, Royal Perth Hospital.
2: Oh, so that's how you became interested in nursing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was through injuries uh, <laughs> and just watching and and thinking. Wow, these guys do an amazing job, and, and and it's. I just think I could do it, so um, so I applied, and, and shock horror, I actually got in, and I was actually one guy, and there were six hundred female nurses in in the hospital, and one male. So oh, Wait, um, was that a problem it, for you? It was not a problem. (laughs) Men had to live out, girls lived in, and the girls didn't like living in, so they used to love coming over to my place and cooking for me. So I had a lot of female friends when I was going through there. But it it also – I was very fortunate in that – I learnt very early, and having spent a lot of time with my mum, um, I learnt very early that that it didn't matter who was in charge. So I had no problem working with females as my superiors um, Mm -hmm. over a long period of time. So it was good for me. And was faith a part of your life growing up? It wasn't. Well, sort sort of. My mother was a Christian, and she used to take us to church, a little church in, in a place called Rivervale, but uh, at the moment I was old enough to say no, I stopped going because uh, my stepfather wasn't a Christian, uh, my, my uh, stepbrothers were not Christians and uh, they were at home having fun while I was locked up in a, in a church and I didn't like that so I, I said no real early and uh, I was very anti from that point on. But that sort of changed when nursing was God had His hand on me, putting me in hospital. I think because um, once once I got into nursing, I, uh, I this nurse in when I was in uh, second year invited mm-hmm. me to a barbecue,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, went out to this barbecue. It was a Christian barbecue, and uh, I started talking with this guy who was uh, at the Barbecue, and he asked me, Was I Christian? and I said no, and told him all of the reasons why God was not true and, and there was no such personal thing because otherwise all these things wouldn't happen. Went on for about 45 minutes, and he didn't, he just stood there and listened to me. And when I finally drew breath at 45 and, and had had it like a, enough to say, he just said, Well, look, I've listened to you for 45 minutes. Can you listen to me for three? Hmm. <laughs> a bit hard to say no to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I did, and uh, I didn't agree with what he said, but he told me about how much Jesus loved me, how mu- told me that he had died for me, mm. and told me about the, the truth of God's Word. I didn't actually accept it, but I went home thinking about it, and you know, God's so clever. Mm. A couple of days later, I was walking down the street, and this guy handed me a pamphlet, and it was I can remember it and see it to this day, And uh, on the front in big white letters of this black pamphlet was There is no God. And I thought, yeah, that's right. So I took it and went home and I read it. And I opened the first page and it said, it just so happens that the world spins at just the right speed that you're neither squashed against it nor thrown off it. And it went through all of these other things like, just so happens that the atmosphere has the right amount of oxygen to support human life. Just so happens that the topsoil and so on and so on. And at the last page, to, I opened <laughs> at the last page it says, the fool hath said in his heart, <laughs> I, get, I get emotional even now thinking about it. Hmm. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I dropped down and cried and gave my heart to Jesus. Uh, at the ch- and I went to the church the next day, uh, the next Sunday, and uh, went forward and accepted Christ. And, and that was the start of my wow. Christian walk.
2: Wow. I mean, the way God uniquely worked it out, circumstances, <laughs> just timing. what you needed right at
1: that time in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And for the first time, um, and I saw God as a as a dad, and mm-hmm. and I hadn't had one. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And so yeah, it just it just fitted, you know, it just fitted.
2: Yeah. So you're off to a good start. You get married and you have some children.
1: Yeah, we got married. We had uh, two girls, and uh, I uh, started. We, we went to we. There was another church plant for the same denomination out in a new brand new suburb of Perth, and I went out there to help with that. And I started a youth group out there, mm-hmm. and the youth group grew faster than the church grew, and uh, and this was the beginning of the of the end, uh, sort of, well, one end, um, in that the elders of the church came to me and said, "Look, you're too young a Christian to be handling this many new Christians and new people and new." Uh, young adults and and youth, we need to put an elder in here to uh, to oversee what you're doing and help you plan the program and uh, and be at all of the things. And I just th- said to them, "Look, you guys aren't growing a church. I'm growing a youth group. You want to take the youth group? Go for it. I'm out of here." And I walked away from the church. And I actually said to God on the way out the door, "I said, it's all right, God. You and me, we're fine." they're they idiots, and you and me, we know what it's all about, and out I went. Huh.
2: Do you think there was some
1: wisdom in what they were saying at that time? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I didn't know what I was doing, and, and I huh. wasn't old enough to be able to answer the questions that I was getting, and, and uh, but I was I was not humble. I was not a humble person, and uh, so the devil was able to get in because offence yeah. uh, – is one of his major weapons, and he uses it specifically against people who are not humble. And I certainly was not humble, and so he just pats me on the back and and, and encourages me to think about them as wrong and me as right, and uh, and so the offence was uh, was uh, just grew and grew and grew, and you know I really thought that I'd be okay with just me and God, you know. Mm-hmm. Forget that the God says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. I just thought, yeah, but that's that's for other people. I'm okay, me and God, we're good, but we weren't. Our guest today is Phil
2: Galvin, who's joining us from the studios of Darwin's ninety-seven point seven FM in the Northern Territory. He's sharing how a root of bitterness took hold in his life and sent him on a downward spiral. We'll hear how the friendship of a wise father figure helps turn his life around when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's
0: most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Scaduto, and today our guest is Phil Galvin, who's sharing how he let anger and bitterness almost completely destroy his life. But as we'll hear, the Lord used a wise older Christian gentleman to help turn Phil's life around.
1: My life, actually, from a professional point of view, started to really progress, and I uh, I went and did my my marriage actually fell apart not long after that. But my my career expanded um and the marriage fell apart because god wasn't in it Uh, Mm. and and that was the key reason there were there were other things that that were the final straws but that was uh, they only occurred because i didn't have god leading my life and i was Mm. doing stupid things Uh, i was very unfaithful to my wife and she couldn't take that and she left and uh, so she should have um then I went overseas to England and got a, uh, a director of nursing position of a very large private hospital. Uh, and then I ended up managing a group of uh, nursing homes spread all over the country. Um, got married again, had another child, but did exactly the same thing in that marriage. And um, and I eventually got myself into some really, really deep trouble because I, I just thought, well, I need to get more money I need to be doing more stuff and uh, I I haven't got what I need to do it so I'll just get it some other way and got myself into trouble ended up uh, being caught and Mm. uh, and lost everything Um, my wife my family my career my nursing registration was gone it was then I couldn't get any lower Mm. but this old man came into my life and He had been a very, very successful businessman, very successful businessman, had a huge business in England and God said to him one day, I want you to give up the business Mm -hmm. and start to go out and just love on and serve people who are in trouble and people who don't know or have fallen away from God and he didn't question it, didn't question it for a moment. He apparently finished the business that week, Finished it all up, mm-hmm. and off he went and started doing prison ministry and a whole lot of other things. So, how did you meet him? Well, I just ran into him. I was I was out and I was I was on my own, and uh, and he just he just come up and he started talking to me, mm-hmm. and he just said, "You you look down, mate," and so I just opened up to him about everything that had happened in my life and. I said to him, you know, look, I've lost everything. I've destroyed everything. I've destroyed people. I've destroyed my career. I've, I've just lost everything and, and, and I don't see a point. I don't see mm. any reason to still be here. And he just looked at me and he said, yeah, well, that's why I'm here mm. and that's why God sent me. And I just looked at him and I, and I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, there is a reason. And nothing happens to us that God doesn't know about. Mm -hmm. And he's brought you and me together now so that your relationship with him can begin. And I said, well, actually, I had one before. He said, well, there you are. He said so he wants that to rekindle and to grow and to start and, and for you to to come back to him because you know there 's a big story in the Bible that 's about a guy called the prodigal son mm-hmm. and uh, and he did worse than you, uh, but he his dad took him back and and God and Jesus want you to come back to them and that was the start and he worked with me and and fed the word of God into me for about six months, and and I came back to Australia after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, first thing I did was I got myself to Perth because I was actually up at Shark Bay with my dad when I first came back because mm-hmm. I was licking wounds and trying to work out how I'd destroyed so much. And, yeah. And uh, but God just moved me down to Perth, and I uh, I went to Victory Life Church in Perth. Pastor Margaret Court is mm-hmm. the the pastor there, but she also has a college called Victory Bible School, and I did three years there, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't expect to get in, but but they her and the principal basically said you're why we're here. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I just I just and, wanted to stop for a moment here, yep. and just observe that here you were as a child, you were fatherless. Both. Yep. Your earthly father and then your stepfather, a bad relationship. And then God came into your life as your heavenly father. But then through that feeling of offense at that church, you kind of walked away from church. Well, did you walk away from God or were you mad at God at that point? Or,
1: I mean, no, I was never mad at God. No, I was never mad at God. I was, I was mad at people that called themselves the church. But, I mean, did did the bitterness kind of consume you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I I still knew in my heart that God was real, and I still spoke to him about all the stuff that I was doing. Yeah. But I couldn't reconcile the feelings that I had about the church Mm. with that. And I was just – I was angry. I was bitter. Mm -hmm. I was – I was broken. (laughs) I was just broken.
2: But it's interesting that God used this older man, another father figure, in your life. Because God knows exactly what you want and need. Yeah. And he used this father figure to lead you back to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. That's beautiful. And and it couldn't have been a woman because most of my sin revolved around women. Um, Mm. And so I wouldn't have been hearing in the same way. Hmm. it had to be a man
2: but ironically it, it was pastor margaret court and pastor judy who played a big role in helping you turn around
1: oh yeah absolutely by the Two time women. i got back to perth yeah i was i was back on fire this yeah. man had, had relit the the fire oh okay and so i was i was back into the word and i was i was seeking out the the, the church and mm-hmm. and i just got led to victory life and uh Pastor Margaret was just so, like, she's so powerful, so strong, and so, like, she said, look, God forgives you. But she talked to me about the fact that, um, and she was the first one who ever had, and and it's something that I share with people all the time. And she sort of, her and Pastor Judy both shared with me about the fact that God forgives everything that that, that you did. Mm Mm-hmm. But because we live on the earth, people don't. So Mm -hmm. there are consequences to everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And even though you are forgiven, you still have to bear the consequences of the acts that you've committed. Mm -hmm. And the consequences are that you've lost your nursing registration, you've lost your family, you've lost your home, you've lost your bank account, you've Mm. lost everything. Yeah. But God has got you and God is going to turn it all around. And he sure did. Yeah, tell us about that. How did it begin to turn around? So, um, three years of Bible college in itself was a, was a miracle because I had no money, and it cost money to to do Bible college. Pastor Margaret said to me, "Phil, I've got something that I think would help you, not just financially, but also with your humility, because I had a major problem with that." Huh. And she said. I need somebody to clean the toilets in the church. I wow. need them to be done every day before Bible college starts. Well, that, said, that's, I'm your man. Uh,
2: that's uh, <laughs> humility right there. How, how did I you said, say you responded?
1: I just said, I'm your man. And, and it, you know what? That hour before College started every morning was the hour I spent with God, and uh, I was cleaning toilets and singing worship and praying and praising, and, and uh, it, that was the best hour of the day as it turned out, And, and uh, but it, it, it's, it's very humbling to come from somebody who manages 600 staff yeah. to somebody who's cleaning toilets.
2: I never heard cleaning toilets described quite like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a gift from god in in so many ways um and I also did uh we, in second year we we did some mission studies and I went to Indonesia and uh start worked with a, a wonderful pastor over there in in kupang in west timor uh pastor john and uh still have a great relationship with him, but it was then that God showed me that Indonesia was the place and that I, would be, that I was called to the nation of Indonesia. And uh, Pastor Margaret at graduation said to me, Phil, I know you're called to Indonesia, but don't go before God. Wait on him. Mm-hmm. He'll show you the time. He'll show you when. There's still some things he needs to do within you to make you his servant in that place that he wants. So, so I'm still waiting. Uh, but I did start working over there with uh, with Pastor John, and and God got me a job up here in Darwin, uh, working as a chef on a, a gas plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a breakfast chef out on a, a, a gas plant at a place called Wadi. And I was working two weeks on and two weeks off and I was doing two weeks at the gas plant and then I'd fly into the airport, sleep at the airport, fly to Indonesia and do mission work with Pastor John, fly back, sleep at the airport and fly back. So I did that for for two years. Wow, um, wow. But then I met my amazing wife through, through a hole. And, mate, this is another interview, but uh, <laughs> the way that God... Because at Bible college, Pastor Judy prophesied over me and said, Phil, God wants you to know that you're going to be married again, and when you marry, that will be the healing of all that has gone before. Hmm. And I just said, Pastor Judy, that's never going to happen. I'm, I, I'm useless at it. I'm a terrible father, a terrible husband. I'm no good at it. It's not going to happen. And me and God are just so good at the moment. It's, I'm loving my life. And she said to me, Phil... Don't tell me. I'm just the messenger. Huh. <laughs> so I went and argued with God for about six months and heard nothing, nothing from God at all. And I, I eventually, I'm a bit slow learner, but eventually I realized he wasn't talking to me because he'd already told me. Huh. So i uh, I said, all right, okay, if you want me to get married again, here's my list. <laughs> and I wrote out this huge long list with some absurd things on it Some right things like she had to love God more than she loved me. She had to be servant-hearted. God -hmm. had to be the center of her universe. Mm -hmm. Good things. But then I got down to real detailed stuff like she had to have a convergent squint, not a big one, just a little one, so that when she looked at me, I wasn't sure if she was looking at me or looking past me because I found that really attractive. Mm -hmm. She also had to have a slight slight pigeon toe, not when she's walking but just when she's standing. (laughs) So when I stand behind her and she's, say, washing up at the sink, I can see these beautiful little toes just pointing in slightly (laughs) to each other because I found that, you know, stupid things like this. (laughs) Uh, She had to be just the right height so that when I put my arm, on a shoulder, it could be perfectly flat. I wow. didn't lean down or lean up, you know. You were very thing. specific. Very specific. Yeah, And there's a huge long story about how that actually came to be. But to cut it short, mm-hmm. God found that person for me who wow. totally filled. Oh,
2: that, right that down to know, the
1: toes. Down to the toes, down to the <laughs> squint, Um Yep, down to the shoulder height that was perfect. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely everything. And we got married. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's Indonesian, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we got married, and we've got a 12-year-old son now. Mm -hmm. His name's Samuel, and he's he's the light of our lives. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Next to the Lord, of course.
2: Wow. Well, you've certainly come full circle. You've learned so much in your life. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible story with us today. That's an
1: absolute pleasure.
2: Our guest today has been Phil Galvin. He joined us from Darwin in the Northern Territory and he is the general manager of the Christian radio station in Darwin. You've been listening
0: to Real Faith and if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's
2: realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media.